Hey there, welcome to The Third Seat. This is the show where we have open and honest dialogues with experts who have a unique perspective to share straight to you. I'm your host, Daniel Trinum with Croft & Frost, and I'm excited to bring you today's episode. As always, all links as well as relative information will be in the description of this episode down below. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's join into the conversation. I am really excited to bring you all today's episode. Uh, this is our second Zoom interview that we've had on the show so far. And our guest today is uh, coming out of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, just right across the, the across the uh, state border here in Tennessee. Uh, she is the current president of Legal Affairs and Organizational Strategy at Austin P. State University. Uh, and she it was also the interim president uh, at Austin P. during the year of 2020. Uh, she was recently named a 2021 40 Under 40 winner by the Nashville Business Journal, uh, and she is a highly accomplished and some individual and someone that I am really looking forward to speaking with today. So, uh, Danielle, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it is. It is a pleasure getting to speak with you, and I hope that everybody really enjoys the episode today. So, I know I gave a little bit of information about you, uh, but for those that just don't know, you know, you and your story and how you got to where you are today, and uh, and what you do, just give a little bit of information about yourself, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm Danielle Whiteside. I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Everybody that I meet in Nashville is like, oh, you're a unicorn because everyone's <laughs> moving to Nashville. There are not a lot of people who are from Nashville, but I am from Nashville. Um, I had, well, I was born to two uh, loving parents. Uh, my dad was a university professor. My mom was a school nutritionist um, from Metro Nashville Public Schools. My dad taught at Tennessee State University. So I always grew up in and around education. Um, and so when I went to law school, I, well, I went to law school because I knew that I wanted to work in education and impact education in some way. I didn't think I wanted to be a classroom teacher. So that was really the path that I found that suited, suited me best, even though I do enjoy um, educating as well. So mm-hmm. once I finished law school, I went to, I went to University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff for undergrad, University of Arkansas main campus for law school, came back to Nashville, took the bar, ended up falling into my first job um, at Metro Schools as their policy advisor, and then just sort of worked my way up and through education. I've worked um, K through 12. I've worked uh, higher ed, obviously. I've worked in local, state, and federal education entities. So I have a pretty broad understanding of educational systems and education law and then higher education leadership. As you mentioned, um, I was interim president at Austin P for about seven months during the height of the pandemic. So um, that's sort of the path of my career. Personally, I'm married to my husband, Sean. We met um, in Nashville at this place called a five spot uh, during what they call what, uh, an event called Boom Bap, where they have um, DJs from all over the world on the fourth Saturday of every month. And so we met there. We didn't know each other, but turns out he's also from Nashville. We had a bunch of the same friends. So it's really weird that we never met um, until that point. But anyway, We've been married now for six years, and we've got two little boys. Donovan is three, and Shannon is 11 months. So as you can imagine, my house is pretty lively. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you, you have your hands your hands full a lot, I'm sure. I do. 
<laughs> nice. Well, it definitely, like I said, you are a, a highly experienced and you definitely sound like a uh, just someone that's been through all facets virtually of, of education, whether it's, you know, like you said, K through 12 or now you currently work in, in higher education. Uh, yes. And do you, do you, I know, I know in the past uh, you taught a little bit as an adjunct professor. Do you still teach as an adjunct professor? I haven't. Um, so I taught Austin P has like a first year experience, APSU 1000. I, I taught that for a few years. I also taught in the law school at Belmont education law. Um, I didn't teach that this past semester just because I had a lot going on with, a, you know, a family transition, but I hope to teach it um, next spring. So, so yeah. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Cool. Well, you mentioned towards the, uh, towards the end there before you talked a little bit about your family uh, and something I'm really kind of excited to talk to you about is the fact that you uh, were the interim president at Austin P for, I think you said about seven months or so during mm-hmm. the height of the pandemic, which uh, I'm sure was a very, I'm sure it was a very easy time for you. I'm sure that was just a breeze. It, it was nothing, you know, uh, but, but no, in all seriousness, you know, I mean, uh, that, that is a very big job for anybody, but the fact that it was in the middle of an unprecedented uh, time in, in human history, I mean, that is a tall task for anybody. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Just, just what that experience was like leading up to, uh, I'm assuming someone, someone asked you to do that maybe, or how, whatever the, you know, election process was for you to become the interim president. And what are some things that you took away from that time? What are some, some lessons that you learned and some things that you were able to take with you and that you can apply in your life moving forward, uh, from your time as the interim president at Austin P. Well, I think the first thing is be ready when opportunity comes. Uh, I think there's a quote by Oprah Winfrey that says, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that to be true when this happened. Um, I was not seeking this out and I was brought to Austin P with the president, by the president at the time, Dr. Lisa White. And she was my boss, an amazing mentor, has become a great friend. And she announced in June of 2020 that she was leaving. And I was, she was on a Zoom with all the senior leaders and I turned my camera off because I had started to cry. I mean, I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, Losing a mentor, you know, in in that way was just really hard. And then um, as she started transitioning, planning for the transition, there was sort of rumblings about sort of what the board was going to do and who they were going to select. And I've heard afterwards that a number of people went to the trustees and said, you got to pick Danielle. (laughs) Um, And so the board chair called me and asked me if I would be interested in serving. I was like, I don't know. Let me talk to my husband. Um, And so a friend of mine who also worked here at the time was like, "Uh, what are you doing? You have to say yes. If they (laughs) pick you, you have to do this. And so I was like, okay. So it ultimately I was the person selected and she left at the end of July and I took over August one. So if you have to, if you think about uh, when, where we were at the time mm-hmm. at uh, we had completely, we had not closed, but everything was virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, all our classes, all our meetings, everything virtual. And so and in August 1, we were planning to have some sort of phased reopening with a combination of in-person instruction, hybrid, um, all kinds of things. And we did not know what would happen if you brought back students to campus. Like, are we going to have, you know, mass chaos? 
Is mm-hmm. everybody going to get sick? So I was just really dealing with um, a lot of uncertainty. So what I decided to do was really lean in to transparent communication. Mm-hmm. And I started getting online um, on Instagram Live and on Facebook Live every week. And I would just talk to people about what our numbers were, what our plans were, how we were going to move forward, and any other just random announcements. And people loved it. People just loved the opportunity to hear from their leader about how we were going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, we were successful. We didn't, you probably read a lot of headlines around that time about universities that opened and then within a week to two weeks, they were back remote. We never had that. Um, We had what I what I would say is we're going to gov through this because our mascot is the governor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so instead of we're going to go through this or we're going to get through this, we're going to gov through this. And so we really lean into just, you know, being a community and supporting each other. But it was my goal to communicate with people about how we were going to move forward. And it was very it was very well received. Um, and so I think that's really what I learned is like, once you give people the tools to, um, make the best decisions for themselves, they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I I just, I learned so much just about resilience and what it looks like to uh, run a campus because up until that point, I, I thought that I wanted to be a university president, but it's, it's very, um, rare that you get the opportunity to practice it before you do the real thing to see if that's really what you want to do. And so what I tell people is that that is a hard job. I mean, during the, while I was doing this, I mean, people, people call the role acting, but I'm like, I wasn't acting. I was actually (laughs) doing the work. Um, I had a student that passed away. We we had COVID. We had a bomb threat. I mean, just all these things. And so we had some really hard days. But I, as I say, I never, I never felt a single day that I was down or couldn't do the job or this is too much for me. Like I was energized by the work. And so at some point um, when the time is right, I'm going to be university president somewhere. And I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to try it out, you know, at, at Austin P. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, having opportunities like that period for like, you know, university presidents, they don't come up all the time. I mean, there's only so many open slots like that, but the fact that you kind of got to have a little bit of a trial run, I mean, that's that I'm sure that's very helpful for you, but like you said, it gives you a lot of great experience. I, I like that as you know, during your time, then especially, you know, during the, during the, you know, the height of the pandemic, you were doing these like live streams. I think that's really cool because, you know, during times like that, where there's just so much uncertainty, like across the board, it doesn't matter whether you are like you, like you are the president of a, of a, you know, acclaimed university or whether you're, you know, just somebody out in the public that, you know, isn't of any, you know, uh, large public stature, it, nobody really knew what to do. I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty about that. And so the fact that you were willing to step in front of a camera in front of everybody and just be open and honest and just say, this is the current state of affairs at the university. This is our plan going forward. This is what we're going to try to do to keep everyone safe and to try and, you know, maximize safety and learning as best we can. Uh, I think that's a, a great model for, you know, most, uh, most issues and most problems that we face in life, because, you know, I mean, I've been told from a young age, like honesty is always the best policy and, and you get yeah. told that, but 
it really only makes sense until it really only makes makes sense at least to me until you get to experience that because like you know it's one thing to be told that and be like okay you know like i i hear you but once you've seen how that works in real life when when you have that transparency and that openness with people that not only uh, builds trust in you and the people around you, but it builds confidence in yourself and the institutions you work with. And I would imagine, I mean, if I was a parent and I had a child going to Austin Peter in that time, like that would make me feel a lot better. That would make me feel better to know that the person that's running the show right now is doing everything they can. They're being as open and honest as they can to serve the community, to serve the campus and to serve the students that, you know, live and, and work there. Um, and along with that, the, the first thing you mentioned, that, that quote, I, I'm not sure I've heard that quote before. I'm not sure if it's by Oprah or not, uh, but a similar one that it makes me think of is, uh, it's something to the extent of, you know, if, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail, which essentially like, you know, when, when opportunities like this come up, if you have done nothing to prepare yourself, then you've essentially just staked your claim that you're going to fail. Yeah. And to me, it sounds like even though you didn't know it, I mean, all the work you've been doing up until this point has been preparing you for moments like this, because as we said, you know, whether it's an interim position or it's a full-time position as a, a, a position like this, as a president at, at a university, they don't come around a lot. And so if you're going to have that opportunity, you want to make sure that you're prepared. You want to make sure that you're ready to go. You're ready to, you know, take on that position as best you can. And if you're not prepared, if you choose not to prepare, then you are quite literally preparing to fail uh, in, in most situations. That's definitely been That's my experience so far. And it sounds like you took the, the correct road in that situation, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it, one thing you said, and I, I believe it to be true, that everything that you do kind of is a roadmap to where you're going to go next. You don't see it on the on the front end. It's only behind on the back end that you're like, oh, that's why I was doing this. And I, yeah. and I think about like, as I mentioned, my dad being a university professor, we were on campus all the time at Tennessee State. So being uh, when he worked at Tennessee State, so being a, in and around higher education was it, that was my language. And I didn't even know it at eight, at eight years old when I'm sitting around at a banquet talking to professors that eventually I'd be in higher education. Mm-hmm. And so when you look back and see your life, you do realize like, oh, this is exactly like every little experience that you have prepares you for who you're going to be. And that's mm-hmm. I think it's really cool to be able to look back and, and make those connections. Yeah. And also just having the understanding, at least for me, that no event in our life, no matter how big or small, can be wasted. You know, even true. even the small interactions we have with people around us that seem mundane, uh, good or bad, I mean, whatever they are, small or large, each interaction, each experience we have, we can kind of tuck these away in our pockets and use them for later, you know, and in times like this, you know, like you said, you didn't know that when you were so young and you were interacting with professors and, you know, administrative uh, professionals and things of that nature at these universities that uh, that was going to build you up into the person that you are today. But the ability for you to, even if it was unknowingly, you know, you, you took that and you, you kept it with you all these years and it benefited you in the long run. It benefited you when you needed it most. And I think that lesson in and of itself can be applied in, virtually every facet of life. You know, there's not many areas that you can't apply that to in my mind. And I think that's uh, just a great piece of advice for anybody that's, you know, trying to get through any obstacle in life is, is making sure that you take these experiences in your life and apply them in a way that allows you to uh, adequately prepare to not fail, but to, but to succeed, you know? Very true. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, we've been saying higher education a lot and, and I wanted to ask you, so you've been working in education for how, just, 
not just higher education, but how long have you been working with in the education field? Just do you think so far? Okay. So I started working in 2009 after, uh, after law school. So it's been over 10 years at this point, almost 15. So it's, it's been a while. Yeah. So you've seen, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Uh, I I would, (laughs) I would imagine. Um, but you know, to me, uh, you you definitely seem to have a, a focus on higher education, on you know uh, education in the collegiate level, things of that nature. And so, I want to hear from you. I mean, obviously, from the standpoint of you know higher education provides education to people. Uh, but but aside from that, what role do you think that higher education and collegiate education can play in in improving the lives of individuals in areas like Nashville or in areas that are, uh, you know, these downtown kind of inner city areas? You know, you think you think of the Nashville area and even, you know, so much for me, like I, I'm currently in Chattanooga. And while it's not as, uh, you know, geographically and, you know, as large as Nashville, um, there are still a lot of like Nashville. Is, it's no secret that it's growing. There's no it's no secret that Chattanooga has been growing a lot. And in my mind, I think as these cities grow, the role that higher education is going to play in in keeping these cities afloat and allowing them to grow is going to be a a large role. And so what do you think uh, about that role that higher education will play, especially in Nashville, but in cities abroad? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. So I'm going to take some bite sides um, in answering this. What really drew me to education is really as as a person of color, um, my my whole path was or or I guess if you go back down the line of my family tree, we knew at some point that if we were going to come out of, you know, racism, poverty, all these things, that education was that path to opening a bunch of doors. And so because of that, I fundamentally believe that no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, where you come from, you should have access to a higher education because there's there's statistics and on all these kinds of things that that basically point to the fact that education is that um, differentiator between poverty and coming out of poverty. Now, obviously things are, you know, a lot of things are changing with our economy and, and all those things, but, but yet and still that is a, um, strong determining factor about how your trajectory is in life. So that's important to me. The second thing is that higher education plays a large role in developing the minds of individuals who are going to go work at the companies that, uh, the, and build the communities and serve others. And so um, that's our product is what, who we send out into the world that's our product. And so we play a huge role in that we partner with Austin P. We partner with a lot of different industries, um, a lot of different um, community partners to make sure that we are providing the graduates um, that are going to meet the needs of the individuals that need them. Um, so there's, there's that workforce development path that's, that's also important for higher education to be connected into. Another um, thing that I think we don't sell enough of in higher education is its place in just preparing a person for life. So when I think about, um, and in higher education is also experiencing a seismic shift because of population patterns. And so there's this thing called the, um, 
it's the the term is escaping me right now, but and we talk about it a million times a day, so I don't know why it's not coming to me right <laughs> the now. The one time you need it, it's just yeah, gone. It's like okay, <laughs> we just talked about this, but basically, um, uh, the the population cliff, um, mm-hmm. in that because of the recession of two thousand eight people stopped having or, or decrease the number of children that they were having. And so that's coming, the pipeline is coming through. So the um, number of traditional age freshmen that are coming to higher education is diminishing. And therefore we're trying to ha- grapple with like, okay, what are the mixes of students? Cause there's, there are a lot of non-traditional students, adult learners who are, who need credentials. And so they're coming back. Um, so we're just higher education is really going through an identity crisis about who we're serving. And so that's an important piece to it. But also, as I was getting to, there's always this conversation about whether higher education is worth it. Now, I know it's expensive and we've got to do a better job of making it affordable and accessible for a broad number of people. Mm-hmm. But there is no other place that a um parent can drop off their kid at 17 or 18 and come back four years later and, and pick up an adult. Mm-hmm. Like there is a real benefit to experiencing higher education for the purposes of not only career development, which is important, but also personal development. Mm-hmm. I was not the same person that my, my parents, um, dropped off, you know, when they, when I came back at 21, I was not the same person I had, Um, I had more friends, I had more experiences, I had more knowledge of myself. And so that's also a very important role in in that higher education serves for um, the broader community. Um, I don't, if we remove that, is there, you know, there, there are companies now who are saying, hey, bypass higher education, come join my workforce, I'll train you. Mm-hmm. You don't get the maturity, you know, it, 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 the, the maturity that that you develop in those four years where some where you can make mistakes with very few consequences. You don't get that just from going straight into the workforce. And so I think we need to figure out how to tell that story differently. Um, but I also think we have to figure out in higher education how to meet the needs of the different types of people that we serve, because, again, we're not just educating those from you know, high, getting right out of high school. There are some single parents. We have a lot at Austin P. We have a lot of military affiliated students. So how are we serving them and making it um, easier? How are we molding ourselves to fit the student instead of asking the student to mold themselves to fit us? So those are, that's a, a large conversation, but I think we, we provide different services depending on who, who's coming to our doors. I mean, even here at Austin P. We have um, we have a speech pathology program um, that is going to be serving the community, but providing free to, or low cost services to, to children who need speech pathology services. So we just we do a lot, um, and I think you would find, especially in these urban centers, that if you were to remove the university, you remove the economic engine, you remove a lot of the um, services and supports that the university provides. Um, you you remove sometimes childcare. They you know these centers of higher education give so much to the areas that they serve. So yeah, no, I, question, I, no and I'm, I'm glad you gave the answer because I, I love I love answers like that that you have to really kind of they're not just like like you know cut and dry like oh okay that's the answer you just go like you kind of have to sit with it and think about it for a little bit. Uh, 
something that you mentioned, which I resonate with 100%. And I think it's, it's very, it's different for each person that goes to, you know, college or, or some form of higher education. And it's not like a tangible thing. Like you're not going to get like a plaque about this at the end, but like you, what you mentioned is the fact that I would dare say, I know this was true for me. You said it was true for you. And I would dare say it's true for most people that go through college uh, is that you, you become a different person. Like I know for, I agree with you 100%. My story is similar uh, I remember very vividly the day that my parents dropped me off and whenever I was, you know, officially on my own for the first time, uh, the person that I was then is not the same person that I am now, but for the good, at least I like to think right. it's for the good. Um, and, and that's not something that you can, you can really, it's hard to quantify that. It's hard to like show that to people or to say, here is evidence that I am a different person. Um, but that is something that I am incredibly thankful for because it was really a combination of a lot of things for me. It was a combination of the fact that I was now put into, you know, I come from a really small town in, in Tennessee and I was suddenly put into what for me is a much bigger city. And so because of that, there was a lot of new perspectives. There was a lot of new uh, backgrounds. There was a lot of new individuals that I had never really been around before that mm-hmm. I was suddenly put right in the middle of. I had no choice but to be around them. So I had to learn about who they are as people, what, where they come from, what makes them different from me. And that was one thing that really for the bit, for the, for the better changed me as a person, I believe along with this, if you, you know, unless you are just the smartest person on the planet, you know, you're going to, if you go through education for even one semester, uh, you're going to eventually come in contact with some, some hurdles that you haven't encountered before, at least for me, yeah. you know, uh, not, you know, going through high school, high school was not a huge, like, yeah, I, I did fine in high school. You know, it was it wasn't like a huge like thing that took up all my my energy and time. And getting into college, I mean, it was a totally different animal. It, it was totally different. Yes, it was still education, but it was totally a different way of looking at it. It, it, it challenged me in so many different ways. And kind of being pushed, you know, being pushed that way, being pushed to kind of push to my limits. And if you want to put it that way, yeah. it, it you know, the like the old saying goes, like being forged in fire. I don't know if I'd be, call it that seriously, but uh, it really does. It challenges you and it, it causes you to prove to yourself that you can take on these new challenges by yeah. yourself, take them on head on and, and prove to yourself that you can, you can handle these things. And those two things for me personally are what have really uh, prepared me for, for the outside world, because I didn't know what job I was going to be working in. I didn't know what field necessarily I was going to be working in or who I was going to be interacting with, but I now had a lot better. Uh, I had a much better foundation now and that I was leaving, uh, you know, UTC here, I had a much better foundation, uh, as a person that I could, you know, apply in different ways out in the workforce and in the world around me. And I think those are things that they're, again, they're not tangible. They're not things that you can like quantify or show necessarily like you can't, I mean, you can show the degree, but that doesn't necessarily prove the point I'm making. It's, yeah, it's things one, that you can't, that's one part of it. Yeah, that is definitely one part of it, but there's so many intangible things that you know to be true, but they're hard to show and explain, you know? Yeah. And they're also hard to put a value behind. Like, yeah. you know, I can, I can't say, sure. I pay $2,000 for that. You know, it, it's hard to mm-hmm. quantify too, but I feel like we got to do a better job of telling that story. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, and that's what I think can make it difficult to try. And if someone's thinking about going to college, I mean, the obvious benefit of it is, you know, you get the education and you get the degree and that's, that has some value in and of itself, but 
it's hard to, I guess I'll use the word convince, or it's hard to show someone that there are other benefits to going to higher education. Like we've been talking about, it's not just the degree that you get. It's, it's, you know, the first part is the degree and there's a long laundry list of these intangible things that get added to you as a person, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that in my opinion, the cumulative effect of the degree and all the other things that go along with it really can be a, a huge benefit for individuals and, and, you know, society at large. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to know, so you, you were trained to be a lawyer, is that correct? Yes. And you didn't, you never, you, you didn't initially want to work as a, at least a, you know, an educator or a teacher, I guess I'll say. Uh, but what exactly drove you to want to work in education? Because correct, you said you, you started out studying as a lawyer first, correct? Okay. So in, in undergrad, my, yeah. So in undergrad, my major was human development and family studies. I had initially thought I was going to be a school psychologist, um, but I just figured out that <clears throat> This, this might be wrong, but in, in my <laughs> mind, um, I thought the psychologists really helped lead you to an answer. And I'm like, I know the answer. So <laughs> why can't I just tell you? So I, I figured out that um, I'm probably not that person that's going to help you explore what your your truth is. I'm the type of person like, OK, this is this is their answer. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was in undergrad, I took a class on children with special needs. And so we started talking about the role that the law played in this type of education that a child who might have a disability would receive. And so um, I just started really thinking about that. And it just really dawned on me that that lawyers have a role in education and so that's the reason why I decided to go to law school is like, I thought, okay, I could be a lawyer and help education. And so um, really I've been, ha- education, having a, a legal background in education is a niche area. Um, although there are a lot of, there are a lot of attorneys that I encounter that do work in education. When you take a step back, it's not that many of us. Um, And so I've been really blessed to just be able to sort of fall into that. And every job that I've ever had has been working in in education in some capacity. And it's given me a lot of fulfillment. I mean, um, when I was in law school, I did an externship for Walmart International Legal Department. And I just, I did it because I didn't want to, um, I knew what I wanted to do, but I did, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being too narrow and that I really broadened my horizons. And I had a great supervisor, but I hated the job. <laughs> and it was because I couldn't connect to the bottom line. The bottom line was to make Sam Walton's descendants even more rich. And <laughs> I just was like, this just doesn't connect with me. Yeah. But, um, in education, I know every single day, whether I send an email, um, a random email, or um, if I'm going to, if I'm reviewing a contract, I know that it's directly benefiting a student or it has a tie to a student's outcome. And that makes me feel good about the work. Like, uh, you know, I couldn't do something that didn't connect to helping someone and knowing that I'm changing someone's life and changing their family tree and their outcomes um, for their future. That just makes me complete, feel complete fulfillment with the, the, the life path that I've chosen. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I can tell you as, I mean, I know you went to, obviously you went to college and I, I didn't go to Austin P, but I can tell you as someone who, 
just recently finished, uh, you know, school and, you know, kind of work, uh, lived and worked through the, the initial COVID era and everything like having the administrative officials and the, you know, uh, the professors and everybody that, that worked at the university, I could tell that, I mean, I didn't interact with every single one of them, but the ones that I closely interacted with from the professors to, you know, everybody above them, though, I could tell that they, they weren't just there to collect a paycheck. I can tell they were, they weren't just there because they had nothing else to do. I could tell that they were there because they, they truly wanted to help me as an individual and they wanted mm-hmm. to see me grow and they wanted to, uh, you know, invest time and resources and effort into me because they, they truly cared for me as an individual. And that made me want to show up for them to, you know, it made me quite you know, literally want to show up for, for class. Uh, but it made me want to give my best effort as well. I didn't just want to sit there and occupy a seat. It made me want to, uh, you know, give my best effort and understand that the investment and the time and work that I'm putting in is, is not only benefiting me, but it's being supported by the work of everyone around me. You know, yeah. uh, I, I say all the time that the no man is an Island. I know I didn't coin that phrase, but I like to, I like to use it like no man is an island. And just because, you know, I was in college, it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of people around me that are putting in effort to see me succeed. And I think whenever you can see that in the people above you, you know, I'm sure the students that uh, are underneath you, I'm sure they can see the effort that you put into making, uh, to try and make their life easier, to try and uh, invest time in them. I'm sure they can see that. And I would imagine that it means a lot to them because it's one thing to just have a professor or, you know, an administrative official that works at a university show up and, and do the job, quote unquote. But it's another thing for them to do the job and say, hey, I want to do whatever I can to invest my time and my effort into bettering you as a person to set to help you set up a future that is, uh, you know, beneficial for you and fruitful for you and your family down the road uh, and that you'll be proud of. And I, I think that that really is what sticks with me after I've finished college, just not necessarily the degree that I have or the education I got like that is a big deal. But it's different for me. It, what stuck with me a lot is the way and the way that the, uh, you know, the people that work there, the way they made me feel and how the, the investment they made into me, that's what's really stuck with me as I've, you know, as I've now left and, and how I hope to pass that on to other people that I interact with, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, so we just finished, I, I was the chair of the university strategic plan mm-hmm. um, that we just, the board just voted on this past Friday. And um, part of the strategic plan had a has a um, goal of having faculty and staff be involved in the students' lives by attending events or other things. And I think that just sends a signal that we're not just here to collect a paycheck. We're here to make a difference. And I know that um, students who can say, like, I- I'm sure if you think about it, there's one person at least that you can point to on your campus that made a difference in your life. I know I had, I had more than one person from from my experience that, that I can point to. And so the, the idea is that if you can be that one person in a student's life, then they're more likely to continue and complete their education Mm -hmm. and then be able to say, I I did this because so-and-so paid attention to me. They cared that I came to class or they cared that I uh, needed some, needed a meal plan in the cafeteria or this custodian care that my, you know, sink was stopped up and, you know, they came to my dorm room and fixed it. And so all of those things, while they might seem small, they contribute to a student's being successful. Um, and so I think that's, that's super important. And I'm, I'm glad you had that experience. It's my hope that every student, you know, that, that sets foot on Austin Peay's campus 
feels that way because again, that's we want them to be successful and we know that we play a large part in whether they complete, you know, because it, it you know, you may not you may not see someone every day, but there might you might just have a really bad day and there's one person that that said, "Hey, you know, can I help you or did you need something?" and that makes a difference between you dropping out or you continuing on. Yeah. So it's super important. Yeah, no, it's for me personally, there's two people that stand. I know there's, there's a handful of them, but there's a two, there's two people in particular that I always think of. And I know you, you probably don't know them, but uh, for one, it, it was one of my professors that I had for like the last two years uh, of, of, of college. He taught a lot of, uh, a lot of my finance courses and things of that nature. And I really got to know him well, know him. He goes, we call him Dr. H. Uh, and, and I got to know him really well. He really put a lot of time and investment in me and just getting to know me as an individual. And it, it, it just made me, it made me feel so much more appreciated to know that the person that was kind of running the show had an appreciation for me, but in a totally different way, someone else that at UTC, she's a bit of a, a bit of a, like, you know, a local legend. Uh, you talked about meal plans and, and if, if you ever walked into the cafeteria at UTC, the person that's going to greet you at the door, her name is Miss Cassandra. She is the, she is just the, the sunshine of every room she walks into. She is just the nicest person in the world. And every time you walk into the cafeteria, she is just, she'll greet you at the door. She'll make, you know, she'll ask how your day's going. She's just, it doesn't matter whether you're having a good day or a bad day. She's always there to help lift up your spirits as best you can. And mm-hmm. it, again, you know, in the long run, it seems like that's a small thing. Like, you know, people just chatting with you and, and treating you kindly. Like it, it may seem like they're small things, but at least for me, like they, they go such a long way, you know, they, they have such an impact on how I feel like I should treat other people because I know the impact it had on me. Yeah. And so I can imagine the impact my actions would have on other people, you know, that, 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 uh, come after me or the people that I interact with, you know, it, it's so, it, it's just such an important aspect that I hope, I don't think it will be, but I hope that it's never lost in higher education. I hope that that, that communal aspect is, is always kept, uh, within, within the higher education field. Yeah, I think that's super important. I also want to challenge you. I don't know what you where you where you are at this point, but um, understanding that you got a lot um, from your undergrad experience and it's going to be up to you and your, you know, your friends to continue to pay it forward. So I don't know if you're even if you're at all contributing to your alumni uh, association or back to the university, but um, I would challenge you to kind of figure out ways that you can do that, even if it's just ten dollars. Um, a year, just start small by giving because those the those monies go back to scholarships and, and yeah. other ways to support the university. And yeah. it's, it's super important that we continue that pipeline of of giving yeah. um, for future generations. Yeah, and, and I, I want to ask you about that because, like, what are some ways? How you know? Because you think about uh, oftentimes, like you hear about people that contribute back to their colleges, but how can how? as someone who is, you know, you've been at the, at the top level of these universities, like how does those, the, how do those donations and those, those investments back into the university, how do they actually get spread out to the people underneath? Like, where does that money, where does that time and those resources actually go to when someone decides to give back to a university like that? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it's, a, it, it's a, a number of things that we do with them. Like for instance, when I was interim president, I secured a $3 million 
grant from the um, Clarksville Community Health Foundation. And that's going to help us to build our health professions building, which is going to house nursing, um, allied health, uh, pretty much all of those like medical um, preparatory careers are going to go that particular building. So that's one way. Um, We had um, just recently a donor write us a $15 million check. That was the biggest um, gift in history um, that happened um, just a few months ago. Um, and so that that's going to help athletics. Uh, we have Gov's Give, which is a 19-hour, um, 27-hour, 27 minutes. Uh, 1927 is the year of founding for Austin Peay. So we have this pretty much a, a effort to um, secure the most donations, and not, not in amount, but in um, a number of people giving. And so um, usually those things are for scholarships, therefore, like, we have on campus, we have a lot of cultural centers like the African-American Cultural Center, the Latinx um, Resource Center, the Military Family Resource Center. And so um, when people give, they give to those those centers, which like, for instance, the Military Resource Center, Family Resource Center. I know sometimes they'll have like um, pizza for, you know, military affiliated students, or they might have a particular program for them um, to have speakers. And so that type of funding goes to those type of things. Um, And so a university can use the money a lot of different ways, but ultimately it distills down to helping students. Each, Mm -hmm. Each thing that I've identified, whether it's a large gift or a small gift, should go to helping students. And so you know, that's one way to give back. I know sometimes young, younger alums are like, I don't, I can't write you a $15 million check. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't do that either right I, now. I can't, I can't, not currently. Right. Yeah, I'll let you know if I can though. Yeah, one day I'll be able to, but it's not right now. Um, <laughs> so whatever it is, like I said, it could be a $10 gift. Um, and your next, you know, next time you get a promotion, you can say, okay, I'll just give 10% of my promotion dollars, you know, to it. Um, but you can also give back in other ways. Like I know, um, we have adopt a gov. So alumni sign up to mentor new incoming students. And so if there are ways that you can give back in that way, or, um, you're doing a podcast. So I'm sure that there are some, some students right now at UTC who are curious about it. And so, is there a communications department that you can reach out to and say, hey, I would love to come at some point and just talk to you about how I got started and and what type of resources that I use. So there are all sorts of ways to get plugged in. The important thing is, though, to just get plugged in and figure out how you can um, give back, whether it's with your time or your talents or your money. I love it. I love it. That's great. And and I think, you know, definitely for individuals like myself, like you said, I'm not going to be writing any $15 million checks anytime soon unless somebody wants to give unless somebody wants to gift me one, uh, I'm not going to be able to do that anytime soon, but being able to, I think what you hit on there at the end is, is really important as well, because obviously, yes, there's, there's financial gifts and that, that can go to help directly with students and things of that nature, but uh, also using our talents and using the, our, our just physical abilities of who we are as individuals, finding ways to give back to the community and to the universities that, that have helped us so much. Uh, I definitely think that's something that I'm, I'm glad you, you've mentioned that to me because I think that's something that I, along with everyone else, like we all have something we can bring to the table, you know, yep. there's some way we can give back, whether it's through money, whether it's through our time, whether it's through uh, just whatever unique skills that we have, finding ways to leverage that and, and give that back to the community in some uh, you know, form or fashion. I think it's incredibly important. And I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, 
kind of on a similar topic. Uh, so you, back, I, I missed the when this when this happened, but you delivered a speech at a, a TEDx event uh, at Austin yeah. Austin P University. When when did that happen? I, I missed the. I watched the video, but for some reason, I missed the uh, the year that that took place. It was actually April of this year, and okay. it, it has not officially released yet. Yeah. So I I put a snippet up on my um on my LinkedIn, but I would love when it comes out to be able to uh, send it to you. And if you could yep. put it out to your audience, um, my goal is for it to go viral. So <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, but, um, I, I have, I have no doubt that it will, because I, I took, I, I listened to the the snippet of it and kind of found everything I could find out about it. Cause I, I saw it and thought it was interesting. I wanted to, you know, dive into it a little bit. And obviously the video will come out later. So I don't want to spoil everything about it, but to me, it seemed like the main theme of the speech that you you delivered was really focusing on how higher education can promote uh you know th- this this idea of togetherness in, in communities and how it can it, it's not necessarily a a dividing force but a a equalizing force or a force yeah. that brings people together in communities and again i don't want you to spoil too much of the speech because i i myself want to watch the full thing and i want others to as well um but uh, do you care to talk about that in a little bit yeah. just kind of what your thought process is process is on, on on that subject? Yeah, I can tell you. So basically, uh, I came at it from two sort of two thoughts in my head. Um, from a lawyer standpoint, uh, as a higher education lawyer, but also as a higher education administrator and sort of how I learned um, how those things work together. And what I what I said was that higher education you, you you've heard of the phrase of higher education is the marketplace of ideas where we just mm-hmm. kind of like put everything out there and you you pick what you want. But I said that higher education really is the kitchen table uh, because we we sit around and, and it serves that it serves the kitchen table function of, of society. And um, research shows that families who sit together around the kitchen table have health benefits. They also have um, social benefits like greater self esteem and all those things. And so what we learn around our kitchen table is first of all, how to listen and take in other people's viewpoints. Um, and so higher education is that same way where you, you hear, like you mentioned being in, in college and, and being exposed to a lot of other people who are different from you. And so that's an important skill for a functioning um, society is to be able to have your opinion but also digest and understand other people's opinions and respect them. Um, so that's one function. The second function is um, learning how to craft your own thoughts um, and articulate what you believe to be true. That's also a healthy skill. And that's something we learn around our kitchen tables at home, but also in higher education where you might have debates or, you know, discussion boards and things like that. Um, the third Thing, the third function of higher education is learning how to disagree. You also learn that around your kitchen table. So I drew that analogy. Um, but in higher education, you know, engaging in robust discussions, um, debates, all of those things help us to, to learn how to disagree peacefully. And that's an important function of society. And then the last thing is just about um, how it's a how it's a, a tool for togetherness where we all are different, but we somehow uh, come together in, in, we, and in our families are the same way around our kitchen table. Like I, talk, I talked about just how, um, you know, <clears throat> we, we might not 
you know, we might do something wrong, but you're still welcome at the table and we give mm-hmm. each other grace and that kind of thing. And the same is, exists in higher education with hopefully the idea that if we get it right and we show people how it's done and then they leave and go into the world, they can be models of togetherness as well. Mm-hmm. And so that that's pretty much the um, gist of the speech. I love it. And I, I love that that analogy you drew with the with the kitchen table. I've, I've never heard that before, but but no, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, for it definitely in my family, I mean, growing up uh, and, and still, I mean, whenever I go visit my family and the, the, the dinner table or the kitchen table is a place where everyone comes no matter what kind of day you've had, whether you've had a good day, bad day, it's been you know, kind of normal, run of the mill, whatever. We all kind of come and and we simultaneously put all that aside, but also bring it to the table at the same time. You know, we're, we're, we're wanting to be present with each other, but we also want to share our experiences with each other. And some of those can be good. Some of those can be bad. Uh, but I, I really like that analogy that you showed because yeah, the, the, the idea is always the marketplace of ideas, but um, when you call it that way, it kind of seems like there's a, a transaction going on. Like you're having right. to give up something for it. But in reality, I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It, it can be more of uh, just a free exchange of, of ideas. It can be a free exchange of perspectives. There's no like necessarily give and take. It, it can just be a free uh, exchange between two people uh, in, in that respect. And I think it's really cool. I, I love that uh, picture you painted there. And I think that I'm really excited to, to hear the whole the whole thing. And if by the time that this episode comes out, if, if the uh, do you know when, when you're, when the full video will be I out? Don't. Yet? Like, I don't, okay. I feel like I stock it. <laughs> well, if, it, if <laughs> it's it not out with. by the, if it's not out by the time that this episode comes out, then I'll put a link to the teaser video. If you want to go check okay, it out and okay, you can cool. get a little snippet of it and you can go see what, what is out about it so far. But if it is out by the time that this episode comes out, then I'll link that down in the description. So if you want to go check it out and you're listening, then go down there, uh, find the link and go check it out for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that analogy. I, I've never heard that before. So, uh, props to you for that one. Uh, but, but one last thing I, I really wanted to ask you about is, you know, you, you've seen, like I said, you've probably seen a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good and bad. You've seen the best of people and probably the worst of people in a lot of different, in a lot of different aspects. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about how your goal is not necessarily to provide an education, but it's also to have an, a positive impact on the people around you and the people underneath you. Uh, what is something that you hope to pass on to the people after you, whether it's quite literally, you know, the, your, your descendants or, or the people that are underneath you, whether it's, you know, your family or, or the people that, uh, you know, you see on campus every day, what is something that you hope to pass on to them outside of just, you know, an education uh, that, that you hope to pass on to people, whether they're, they're looking for a career in education or whether they're looking for a career, you know, in, in the law fields or, or whatever their, their career uh, choice will be. What's something that you hope to pass on to them uh, and, and the, the, the kind of legacy that you hope to leave for those people? I know it's a lofty question, so you can take a you can take a second to think about it if you need to. Like at the end of the day, what do you want people? To, oh, yeah, <laughs> man. Um, personally, I um, I really want people to say like my life is better because Danielle existed. Like at the end of the day, I want people to be, I want to be that difference maker in someone's life. But what keeps coming up for me is um, this is something that my mom told me often. And now, you know, I didn't always understand it, but now I understand it that you have everything inside of you that you need to be successful. Like you don't, um, 
like, of course you need, you need education. You need to broaden your horizons. You need to, you know, to continue to develop yourself, but all the intrinsic tools that you have, you don't have to look outside of yourself to, to achieve greatness, to achieve like the, that, the purpose that you have inside. And I think that, um, getting back to wanting to make sure, wanting, wanting everyone to say my life is better because Danielle existed. I think in doing that, I want to empower people to know that you've got it. Like, Mm -hmm. don't think you've got to be some magic different person. Like you are whole and complete and, and full in yourself. And I think if people owned that and were able to tap into it as they were acquiring more knowledge, as they were going through self-exploration, that their potential would be limitless. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think maybe that's legacy. Um, I didn't always feel that way about myself. And then just as I've, as I've grown and understood, like the deep, the biggest lessons I found were like just digging deep is what got me to this, to, to the next place and that next place and that next place. And so um, it's never been, you know, oh, I got to be somebody different. Like, no, you got everything you need right here and packaged inside of you Mm -hmm. to be successful. It's just up to you to develop that and to hone in on it and, and own it. I love it. I love it. And and I think, I think that idea will really hit home for a lot of people, especially my age and, you know, people kind of in in my generation, because we've come out of a a weird time where, you know, everybody was kind of separated for a while, like physically separated from each other. And we're, we're now beginning to step back into, uh, you know, more open social gatherings and, and things of that nature. And there's going to be a lot of people that are, you know, younger than me that grew up and they didn't have a lot of those, uh, they didn't have a lot of those uh, formative years where they were able to be around other people and better able to hone in those skills. And so I think that understanding that no matter where you come from, whether you were you know, born into a, a time where there's a lot of uncertainty or whether you grew up uh, and you had a, a flourishing life, whatever it is, uh, understanding that you know, we're not perfect, but like you said, we have the tools available to us right here, right now to make the life ahead of us that we want to make. I think that's an incredibly inspiring message. And I hope that, uh, you know, anybody that's listening, whether you're old, young, you know, whatever, wherever you fall in life, uh, understanding that is, is incredibly important. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people, you know. Thanks for asking that. Yeah. I had to dig deep for that one, but you know, <laughs> there are messages. In fact, Today, um, we got an email saying, hey, new guys are coming in, send a note of encouragement. And that's that's what I said. And so mm-hmm. it must it must have meant for me to say today because yeah. I just I believe that. I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, Danielle, thank you for coming on here. It, it really means a lot. I, I'm really appreciative that you're able to take a little bit of time out of your schedule. Uh, and I know that you've got a lot of things going on. Oh, it's the summertime right now. Uh, but I know that that doesn't mean that your schedule slows down any. I know you've still got a lot of things going on, even though there's probably not as many students on campus right now. But uh, before we finish up, uh, I like to give each guest just a chance to have the floor, whether you want to you know, give somebody a shout out, whether you want to talk about some things you're working on, whether you want to talk about an experience you've had or anything. I want to, as a thank you to you, give you the floor, allow you to kind of you know, address the people and, and address the audience however you like. So uh, again, thank you for coming on and yeah, the floor is yours. Go for it. 
Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I felt like this is it's called a third seat because you get a conversation. <laughs> I feel like we really did have a really good yeah. conversation. So thank you for that. Um, uh, on socials, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Danelle Whiteside. You'll know the correct spelling because you'll you'll have it in there. Or yeah. on Twitter, I'm Danelle F-W-W-E-S-Q. Um, and I hope that the um, TEDx talk comes out so you can link it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. If not, I'll share it with you and you'll figure out how to share it with the audience. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just been a pleasure. And um, I just want to sh- give you kudos for such a great platform and a great conversation. And I know and understand, you know, you're building this out. And so it's really... Um, I'm sure challenging at times to create something from scratch, but I think you're doing a great job. So again, thank you for reaching out to me and a little bit uh, back to our conversation about uh, experiences building on each other. I was um, in a leadership program and we had a session on LinkedIn and how to optimize that. And so I volunteered to have the, the presenter use my profile as a test dummy. And so he was going through there and telling us how to fix our profiles. And I fixed mine and fixed the keywords, Mm -hmm. which are ways to um, find people better. So I refined Mm -hmm. that. And you then told me that you found me by my keywords. Yeah. So every single thing just kind of builds into each other. And so um, keep doing what you're doing. Um, Keep homing in on your craft. And um, again, this has been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your your words of encouragement. They really do mean a lot. Uh, thank you for coming on here. You mentioned all those different links and stuff. I'll make sure to have those down in the description. So if you want to give uh, Danielle a follow on Instagram, or if you want to follow along with everything she's got going on, then head on there, check her out. Uh, if the full if the full video of your TEDx speech is up, I'll like I said, I'll make sure it's down there. If whenever this episode comes out, if it's not, I'll put the link to the teaser so you can still get a little piece of it. Uh, but those will all be down in the description. So if you want to check those out, feel free to be good on there. Check them out. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for coming on. It really means a lot. I really appreciate you just taking some time out of your day. Uh, you're willing to chat with me. And I hope that whoever listens to this, whoever watches this, uh, will we'll get something out of it. And we'll be able to take a few pieces out of this conversation and, and take it with them down the road. So Uh, Again, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everyone watching, listening. And I hope you will join us on the next episode of The Third Seat. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 